What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You ever have the feeling that you need to sneeze? I have that feeling right now as the show started. There's Phil Sims for some reason. Whoa, it's Phil Sims' birthday. Yeah, Phil Sims. Big Phil. The baby. big effer. The big 66 effer. years old. Boom. Happy birthday, Phil. Happy and birthday. And condolences Phil. that you have to deal with Chris all the time. <laughs> well, I think he owes you he he owes you that 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 comment now. That's that's what he wants to tell you all the time. Sorry you got to deal with me. Oh, some good highlights. Those are the classics right there. 1986, great spirals on the money. Boom, touchdown, Mark Bavaro. Whoa, scary big fill right there. I love it. 66 the close years up, old. The close-up on the spiral against the Vikings. I remember that game from 86. Yeah. The Vikings had that game won, and right. there was some fourth down play that he converted. and Fourth and 17, uh, play of the yeah. year probably for the Giants right there. Fourth and 17 up there in the Metro Dome and got the big victory. I just can't believe my dad's 66. I really can't. You know, it's just like one of those things when it's just, I don't know what happened in life. Like life, like I hit 35 and everything went fast forward and I just feel like it's all going so fast. It's, uh, it's sad in some ways. (laughs) Just, just wait. (laughs) I know that's what everybody says. That's what everybody says. But yeah, it it doesn't get any slower. I I think that the the longer you live, the faster it goes. I, I and I don't know whether that's because your frame of reference is you've lived so many years and months and weeks that right. they seem to go by faster. That a week seemed like a hell of a long time when you were a kid, right? and when a year a week, seemed like forever. Like, yeah, a week when you were a kid, you were always like, ah, oh, is the weekend ever going to get here? And I mean, now I just I feel like I blink my eye and it's it's ready for Sunday football and let's go. I just it is it's crazy. Well, that may be because you're in a haze of marijuana smoke Thursday night <laughs> to be. Sunday morning. That may have something to do with it. Could have something anyway. to do with it. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday, Phil. And I did, coming on the air, had that sensation of having to sneeze when you're kind of caught between no sneeze and sneeze. And yeah. I hate that feeling. And 
Tough one. It, it went away. It yeah. went away. Good. So good. I'm we're feeling, all happy. I'm feeling better. Good. But not as not as good as Phil's going to be feeling today because it's his birthday and he's 66. And happy birthday to you, Phil. I hope you have a good cake and a good day. All right. Uh, we did not have a good day yesterday when it comes to the trade deadline. And, you know, before we get to the specifics that didn't happen, I... Are, are the Rams really that big of an outlier that they're the only team that decided to to roll the dice and go all in and separate themselves from the pack? There are six teams in the NFC that have separated from the other ten. Yeah, right. And and they're jockeying for position, right, to see who's going to be the top seed. And the top seed is very valuable because you that's the only team that gets the week off. Why, Chris? Before we get to what didn't happen. And, and Teddy KGB ultimately lost, I love so that. that gif is even more perfect. But why? Why didn't any of the other teams do anything to get better right now? I, I wish I got answers for you, man. I really do. I, I don't know. I, you know, again, I think, you know, we, at one point yesterday, we had the conversation a little bit about where, you know, I, I was getting the feeling just from people I know around the NFL and coaches and some front office people that, there was nothing substantial buzz-wise about, ooh, this might happen. I, I don't have those answers. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's whether just teams were asking too much, teams value, you know, the draft picks too much at this point, you know, 2021. Um, but I think that's where I admire the Rams. The Rams have taken a different route and kind of – I, I think they just worry about, hey, we'll worry about two years from now, two years from now. We'll figure it out. We're, we're good at football. We're good at evaluating. We're good at coaching. And we'll deal with that problem then. And uh, that's where, I, like I said yesterday, I respect them. But, man, Mike, I got no answer for you. But I just kind of had that feeling going into the trade deadline. Uh, I said it on my Monday podcast, too, that I thought it could be fairly boring. Part of the the problem is that the trade deadline is too early and it's That's hard a great for some point. of these teams to their customers to say we're, we're giving up on the year, we're right. even, even if they'd love to. And look at the other teams in the NFC. You take out the Lions, the nine teams that aren't among the top six are all jockeying now for the seventh playoff spot, which ultimately is going to give them the right to go get their asses splattered by the two seed in the wild card round. And, and one of these years, the two seed's going to lose, but probably not this year in the NFC. But you know what? For those teams that make, the one that makes it out of that morass, like, for example, if the Vikings make it, that could be the difference between Mike Zimmer getting fired and staying. Maybe. Yeah, right. I, mean, I remember when they added the seventh team to the playoff field. Yeah. We were at the Combine. And none of the coaches right. complained about it because they recognize that's one more opportunity to make a difference with your season and extend your career as the head coach because the litmus test is always, did you make the playoffs? So now there's one more spot that you can use to make the playoffs. But even those teams, well, now on one hand, they're not doing anything to sell because they may get it, but they're also not doing anything to buy to a advance their chance of getting that seventh spot it was just it was just odd to see the Rams as the outlier and they're clearly the outlier when it comes to making that bold move and maybe it's because the Broncos were the outlier when it comes to moving 
a high-priced, high-end player, even though they had like 11,000 no-shows at their most recent game, they're willing to move on from one of their most popular players. Yeah, no, I know the Broncos are kind of, I feel like, kind of trying to have it both ways a little bit. Move on from their best player, look at the future, but are still trying to make moves to kind of be respectable right now and stay in the race, kind of to like what you're talking about there. I mean, I think it's the same kind of conversation there with Vic Fangio. He could be a guy that certainly, if they don't make the playoffs or things fall apart, he's in trouble, you know, but... Uh, I, I know, Mike. And, you know, you look at the NFC, the Rams, you know, out of those top teams in the NFC, uh, I mean, not that they had a glaring need, not that they had a glaring need. Like, yeah, I mean, you talk about Green Bay, Arizona, Dallas, Tampa, the Rams. Okay, let's throw New Orleans in there, I don't, even though I'm not ready to quite put them in the class of those other guys yet. You know, no really glaring weaknesses to any of those teams. And that's where I love the Rams because they just went, well, wait, it's real equal. All these teams got playmakers. We got playmakers. I think we could use one more, especially if we got to play some of these teams in the playoffs and the way we match up with them. So um, I'm fascinated to see what they look like on Sunday night and see Von Miller in number 40. But yeah, really underwhelming, you know, trade deadline day. And Mike, I think you're right. I think if, if they push the trade deadline back two more weeks, it would make a big difference, I think, in this conversation and add a lot more excitement. Because, yeah, when, once you get to week 10, 11, you know, you're sitting there now, it's four and six, right? I mean, it's three and seven, it's over. I think a lot of these teams that are sitting there at three and four and three and five are a little bit like in that hope, hope, you know, uh, section right now. Like, well, you know, we, we were close in some games and. I, I think we can come back, and I, I hope we kind of get back in the playoff you know, conversation. And I think if we had two more weeks, that, that those hopes would be over for a lot of these teams. Eagles are a prime example of that. The difference between yeah. three and five and two and six is dramatic. There was talk dramatic. about Fletcher Cox maybe being on the move, and it, it never materialized. And uh, Now, we do see plenty of trades in the offseason now, but that's at a point where everybody's zero and zero, and and, you know, it's a player you're ready to move on from and you're getting value in exchange and, you know, you're getting draft picks, whatever the case may be. This urgency midseason to make the move, to make your team better right now and mortgage part of the future, we saw it only from the Rams. And I think one of the key ingredients is the deadline lands too early on the calendar. When they added the extra game, they should have at a minimum moved it back a week, and maybe they will in the offseason because I think it's good for the sport. It's good for the coverage of the sport to have more action, not less action. They should be encouraging these kinds of deals to be done, and they need the right time then to have the deadline. One of the deals that wasn't done that had been lurking and gurgling and percolating since late last year when it became clear Deshaun Watson wanted out of Houston the Texans sending him somewhere, and that somewhere, as of last week, clearly became the Miami Dolphins. Now that the dust is settling, I can tell you a little bit more about what really went on. Because yeah. as of last week, early in the week, it was the Texans trading him to the Dolphins or the Panthers. And the, here's, how, here's how the Panthers were alive. Here's why they were alive. The Dolphins wanted Deshaun Watson to settle the 22 civil lawsuits as part of a trade. They weren't going to take him without a settlement of the 22 civil lawsuits. It doesn't resolve the 10 criminal complaints, and no one at this point can resolve the 10 criminal complaints, but you can take half of the legal issues off the table completely with a settlement of the 22 civil lawsuits. The Dolphins wanted that. The Panthers didn't care. 
the pa- not that they don't care, but yeah. they they weren't troubled by right. it. They they didn't make it a term. They didn't say thou shalt settle your civil cases before we'll trade for you. They were willing to take on the uncertainty that came from both the criminal and the civil side of things. That was the opening for the Panthers. But Deshaun Watson ultimately decided, I still want the Dolphins, so I'll try to get my cases settled. And as I said the other day, once the Texans caught wind of the effort to get the cases settled, they drove up the price. That caused everything to collapse, and then they were never able to land the plane. And I said all week that maybe these teams are too dysfunctional to land the plane. Yeah. Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reported yesterday that the Texans first gave the Dolphins permission to speak to Watson on Monday night. Right. How in the F do you expect a deal this complicated to get resolved in less than 24 hours if you're first giving permission to speak to the guy on the eve of the deadline when it's not just Texans-Dolphins have to do a deal, it's Watson's got to get his cases settled too. That, 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 was, the, that was the death knell there. If I'd have known that it wasn't until Monday night that they first had a chance to talk to this guy, there's no way they're getting this deal done. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, again, it just seems like the Texans are dug in. Obviously, something changed, Mike. You're exactly right. I mean, you've kind of been all over that. Uh, you know, I, I can't uh, I can't blame them. I can't sit here and blame the Houston Texans and Nick Casario and sit there and go, man, you really blew an opportunity. You know, again, first off, we don't know really what Miami was offering up. We don't, we don't know, like, substantial. I'm sure it was, you know, multiple first-round picks. I mean, at least two, I would think. But still, I, I would imagine Nick Casario is still looking at this going, wait, Deshaun Watson's one of the best players in football. You know, I'm not going to just trade him away like you've said so many times for, you know, nothing or just for two picks because, you know, there's this cloud, dark cloud hovering him right now. No, I mean, again, I think this is a, a monumental moment for Nick Casario as a GM and his future there to where he realizes that this is going to be like uh, uh, attached to him forever. So he's going to make sure he comes out looking good in this trade in his first time as a full-time GM down there with the, as, with the Houston Texans. Right. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. And, Mike, I think your point all along about – It can about, still blow up on him, though. It, it can, can still, still blow, blow up. up it's him. risky. It's risky. And that's why I would love, and I'm sure we'll hear in the next 10 days, exactly what was being offered to the Houston Texans. And then you and I can sit there and evaluate that risk. But, yes, he's taking great risk. But, obviously, he didn't feel like the trade offer was any – Anywhere near what he's really worth if there were no cases or things were a little bit simpler in Deshaun Watson's life. The other risk he's taking is that his boss, owner Cal McNair, is not going to be thrilled with the outcome because Shefty reported the other day that McNair wants the trade to be done. Yeah. And again, they will say that the owners don't dictate the football decisions until it's in the owner's interest to make it look like he's the one who took a stand. And that's what we saw yesterday from the Dolphins via the tweet from Shefty. Of course, they they handed this to Shefty about two in the afternoon. Stephen Ross, who had contingencies that needed to be met for any deal, made the final decision to not move forward. I thought Stephen Ross didn't make football decisions (laughs) I thought he didn't tell his football people what they could and couldn't do but in a situation like this where he can thump his chest and say I took a stand on principle I had contingencies that weren't going to be 
that weren't going to be compromised. Now he can he can say, I made the final decision, which is the truth. And it's always the truth. So let's remember that moment the next time an owner tries to say, Chris, yeah, that no. I don't make the decisions. Right. Well, and, yeah. and that's the risk Casario's taken because he missed the signals from Cal. Cal wanted to move on from Deshaun Watson and Nick didn't do it. Nick better hope it works out in the long run. No, you're right. Nick better. He, he is taking that risk. Now, Nick, again, a guy I've been around, smart, thorough, detailed, like, you know, I, I would think he'll lay this out in a way to where, you know, hopefully he can appease Cal McNair and make him understand that it, it wasn't worth it at this time. And yeah, I think that all but confirms what we always have kind of known about Stephen Ross, that he is involved in these type of things. He's involved more than he should be. That's always been the rumor around the NFL period. Kind of sticks his nose into every conversation, you know, that goes on there in that organization, you know, and, and, and talks to too many people to add that add to, that to the to the list of things too. I understand him though getting involved in this one particularly. I mean, I do. This is a little bit more than your, you know, garden variety trade here. We're talking about, yeah, franchise quarterback, and we are in 2021, and, you know, he's got a lot of issues around him. I mean, so that it's not one here where I would just go, I wouldn't expect any owner just to go, hey, you guys figure it out. You're the football people. You know, th this, is, this goes beyond football a little bit with Deshaun Watson. This does cross over into your fan base, and it is going to alienate some people and turn them off to your football team. So from all those aspects, I do understand Stephen Ross getting involved in this one. I'm not, I'm not going to be too mad at him. When March rolls around and the window opens again on trades, and we know how this goes, just because the trades can't become official until March 16 at 4 p.m. Eastern, the trades can be worked out in advance. In theory, yeah. not that it will ever happen, in theory, the Texans and the Dolphins could work out a deal today that will be effective on March 16. That's not going to happen. But we saw the Alex Smith trade from Kansas City to Washington happen before the Super Bowl was even played back in 2018. And that, that was what opened the door for Kirk Cousins to leave, and he later joined the Vikings. So that is the kind of thing that can transpire. And it could be the Dolphins. It could be other teams. The risk that the Dolphins were taking by not getting the deal done now is that other teams will be at the table and offer more in the offseason. And there will be more clarity from the legal Definitely. perspective, especially on the criminal side. I, I think at some point in the next month, based on everything I've been hearing for the past two or three months, the grand jury in Houston will get a chance to decide whether or not to indict Deshaun Watson on on potential felony charges of sexual misconduct. That is what would get him on the commissioner exempt list and cause everyone to, to back off completely and totally from Deshaun Watson until the criminal cases were resolved. The civil cases are still there, and Tony Busby, the lawyer who represents the 22 plaintiffs, was was spouting off about some things last night, some things that didn't make much sense yeah, because he's the like one it. that wanted confidentiality for right. his clients. And now, now he knows that Watson wants it. He acts like he's... He doesn't because there's value in that. And, he, and this, is, this is basic negotiation, especially in litigation. If there's something that you think the other side wants, even if you also want it, if you sense they want it, there's value in that. There's value in telling them no, even if you've already said that you want that very thing. So yeah, the, the dysfunction between the Texans and the Dolphins, we also have to consider the potential dysfunction between Tony Busby and Rusty Harden and their inability yeah, to get right. deals done. But, but by March, we'll know more. We won't know less, but we'll know at least more. If nothing else, we'll know the same 
But I think the criminal side of it will have clarity, good or bad. Uh, the civil side of it, we may not know anything. But that's when the window is going to open for the trade to be done, and there could be more teams at the table. Well, that's, because yeah, because teams could decide we got to get rid of this bum that we have right. playing quarterback for us. I, to, to me, you know, and again, I don't have any inside info here or anything like that, but just you know, no, knowing a guy like Nick Casario, who's you know, again, I, I I worked for him a little in that New England front office, and how they prepare, and they're already looking to the off season a little bit. And understand who's going to be free agents and the people that are should be on their radar. You know, I would think he's got a pretty good feel. And and ultimately, that's why I'm glad you kind of brought this up. I mean, let's go through it real quick. Let's look at the teams that we think could be in the quarterback conversation. I mean, it's a long list. I here's just ones right off the bat. Pittsburgh. I mean, I think they're going to be a player in the quarterback market. Denver, of course. Miami, the Saints, the Panthers. The Vikings, the Eagles, the Seahawks, depending on what happens to Russell Wilson, Washington, Detroit. I mean, we're talking double-digit teams there, and I think that's ultimately probably what Nick Casario looks at too to go, wait, this is a this is a different offseason. You know, I don't know if there's a ton of guys on the radar for high first-round picks this year. You know I haven't d like dug into that yet, but – it doesn't seem like this is going to be like a year where we go, whoa, there's five first-rounders at quarterback. So you you mark off those teams, their needs, kind of you know have a feel for what might happen in the draft. And I, I would think ultimately that was a big part of the decision, You know, something you've been on all, all along. Get to the offseason, yeah, it's risky, but I think we could get a little bidding war here and really drive up the price and really make a trade that can kind of remake their football team in a hurry. But let's remember this. Deshaun yeah. Watson has the no trade I know, clause. And I know. He could, he, he, I sensed at one point that they were trying to placate him from the perspective of we're working on it, we're working on it, just yeah. bear with us. You know, we all at some point are interacting with someone in our lives in some capacity, whether it's someone who's going to do work at our house whether it's somebody who, whatever it is, and we get that, just just bear with me. Yeah. Just bear with right, me. I'm right. working on it. Yeah. Just bear with me. Right. And at a certain point, you're like, you know what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Right. I'm done bearing with you. Yeah. I know you're just trying to hold me off because you really don't want to deal with me. And you get to that point and you just snap. And he could say, no, I'm not accepting a trade to any team other than the Dolphins. I still don't know why he wants to go to the Dolphins. I don't know what the obsession is either. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. The obsession They're one in there. seven. Right. Um, but but uh, if he's pissed off, sorry, Manchester or Liverpool and everywhere else, so that, where were they? We say that. Look, for anybody who wonders why we do that, they bleep us for the dumbest reasons on Sky. We love Sky. Yeah, but, but whoever that's a it is dumb that's reason. in charge for bleeping us right. bleeps us for the dumbest reasons that makes us makes it creates the impression we are saying horrible, vile things <laughs> when all we're saying is pissed off. Uh, damn shoot and piss. I mean, yeah. so anyway, and, and you just saw bleep, bleep, and bleep on Sky, assuming that the guy who's responsible for it Sorry, is London. Premier League right now. But but anyway, what was my point? Um, if he's sufficiently pissed off, he could show up today. He could show up. He could say, deal with me. I want to play football. You know what? One of the reasons I was trying to get this trade done, I want to play football. And even though I said I was never playing for you bums again, I want to play. And then they got a problem because the, the paid leave implemented by a team only works 
if the player's okay with it. This yeah. goes back to the 2006 CBA. You can't send a player home with pay. You can't do the Keyshawn Johnson thing. You lived through that when John Gruden exiled Keyshawn Johnson with yes, pay. Right. Can't do it anymore. Right. Can't do it. He's got to be on board with it. So if he says, I want to play, now they can't they can't be forced to put him on the field, but they can be forced to let him be in the facility whenever he wants to be, working out, risking injury. Yeah. They can they, they they can be forced to have him at practice on the field, risking injury. And 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 then if he's there, if he's around, at a certain point, your paying customers are gonna say, Why aren't you using this guy? Aren't we trying to win football games here? So if he would get sufficiently upset by the fact that they they ultimately were just placating him to run out the clock. He could show up as soon as today, and that would make things very interesting, Chris. A hundred percent. That would make things very interesting. And again, I still think, you know, the risk of not trading him now with the law, all the the settlement cases and everything that's going on there, uh, added like what you're talking about the no trade clause. You know, and again, I, this this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easily done. I, I mean, it's not going to be as simple as. Oh, hey, hey, uh, Deshaun, hey, it's Nick Casario. We got a trade for you to the Denver Broncos or let's just say whatever team it is, you know, and it's our best trade off. Well, I mean, of course, he's got to agree to it. You know, he's got to agree to it. And that's that's to me going to be the other tricky thing about this, because I'm sure at this point he's, you know, played in Houston, hasn't been happy, probably felt lack of support. And now he hasn't played football in a year. He's going to be extra choosy about where he wants to go. He he will. I mean, I, I would think so. And, and again, that's going to hurt the Texans in this conversation a little bit too. But um, nonetheless, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Ten days ago, I think you and me thought this was going to happen. And then I would say, I don't know what it was for you or me. Or, you know, for me, it was like four or five days ago. I was like, eh, doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I'm going in the total different direction here. And uh, it really seemed to cool off at the end. When it didn't happen by Wednesday, I thought, uh, so, and, and, and listen, I, and again, there's certain things I still can't say, but there was some reporting that was starting to emerge that the two teams had struck a deal. Yeah, there was some stuff in place, right. And, 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 and one of the two teams was extremely sensitive about that and was extremely vocal behind the scenes that no deal had been reached. And this gets back to the idea that they were closing on a deal, closing in, yeah, and the Texans drove up the price, right. and it cratered everything. And, right. and, and look, I'm not blaming the Texans, because for all I know, the Texans were hearing from the Dolphins, you got to meet us halfway because we're taking on all this legal uncertainty. We're taking on 22 civil cases. We're taking on 10 criminal complaints. you got to meet us halfway. And then they catch wind that the Dolphins are working the back channels to pressure Deshaun Watson to settle the cases, to take half the uncertainty off the table, I'd raise the price too Yeah. under those circumstances. If that's ultimately what was happening, we don't know, but that's one potential scenario that's not all that implausible. All right, Tua implausibly will be the quarterback of the Dolphins for the rest of the year. And we said back in late August when this all first came up, when the deal was moving toward completion then and didn't finish, that, that he should just channel whatever whatever hard feelings he may have, whatever emotional turmoil he may be experiencing as he's about to be rendered irrelevant by the Dolphins, do what Tom Brady would do. Get pissed off and go play so well that they're not going to want Deshaun Watson. That's his opportunity for the rest of the season. That's how he has to view it. He has nine games. If he can stay healthy, 
He's got nine games to go out and convince the Dolphins to keep the guy that they have. It's all on him at this point. It's not on anyone else. So if he finds himself in this same turmoil after the season ends, it's it's his own fault. And and look, it may not be his fault. He may just not be good enough. Yeah, that's it's right. It's okay. Too. Right. You know, I, I mean, th- there's a lot of things in life I would have liked to do, and I wasn't good enough to do them. Sure. It's nobody's fault. I'm just not good enough. Yeah. There's a chance, no matter how hard he works, no matter how hard he tries, he's just not good enough, and he never should have been the fifth overall pick in the draft. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. You, you, all, you, all you could do is go all in, right, and just give it your best shot. I mean, that, that's, you know, you know you, go, you go after it. If it doesn't work, you know, you could always look at yourself in the mirror and go, man, I did everything I could to, to make that happen. But I think your point's real. Yes, he was overdrafted 100%. He caused some issues, you know, uh, by his own doing a little bit. Yeah, he came to the league a little beat up, definitely had to deal with that, but admitted that he kind of didn't realize how hard the NFL was and that he wasn't totally prepared. I mean, that's not going to like, you know, organization hears that, they're going to be like, well, that's great to hear. Great. Our fifth pick, like, didn't quite know the playbook or go all in on studying, you know. And then, of course, hey, it, this year getting hurt, injured, you know, early in the year, you know, again, it was a big hit. There's no doubt about it, but he's not a big guy like we've talked about. And, you know, going back to the same thing, can you win with Tua? Sure. But you're going to have to have a real good team. He's not going to be like the guy we're talking about trading, Deshaun Watson, or some of the other talents that are around the football, around football where, yeah, you know, like, oh, man, we're struggling. Tua will make a few plays for us today, and he'll help us beat the Falcons. He'll help us beat the Jaguars. No, he made a lot of good plays to make it competitive and have them there late in the game, but couldn't make the plays to kind of get them over the hump. In fact, I would argue that in the big moments, really, he he made mistakes that helped them fall back down the hump, if that makes any sense there. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see where they go, and it's definitely a weird situation, and I'm, I'm sure he does have a little bit of a fragile mindset right now wondering what the hell is going on. Um, but I think the whole Dol- Dolphins organization is probably a little bit what the hell is going on right now at 1-7. Well, that's right. And you know what? That's the other thing that we have to keep in mind. The very real possibility that when we get to March or January, February, when this thing is being negotiated, there could be. I'm not saying there will be. I'm not saying there should be. It's not for me to decide. It's for Stephen Ross to decide. There could be slash should be, would be, maybe, possibly will be a new GM or a new head coach in Miami, depending upon how, how far they sink in 2021 one in seven no one expected that anytime a team starts trending up you expect the trend up to continue and I think a lot of people are stunned that the Dolphins are as bad as they are right now and we'll see what happens the rest of the way and and again Stephen Ross may the guy who 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 doesn't tell his football people what to do he may blame them for the fact that the deal didn't get done yeah, that that you guys didn't handle it the right way. You didn't finesse it the right way. Why do I have to do everything around here? I'm up in New York trying to add to my fortune. I hire you people to mind the football store and you don't know what the hell you're doing. I'm going to go hire other people. Now, he wouldn't put it quite that way, but that would be the message. Yeah, and no doubt. I mean, again, hey, listen, they've, they've had a lot of assets. You know, they've had a lot of draft picks. We've talked about that. It, it hasn't really, you know, sh- you know, shined at this point as far as the plan, the picks, all working together. In fact, you know, right now, I mean, I think that's it's kind of teetering on, 
it's going the wrong way with a lot of the draft picks. I mean, there's been some good, but I think there's probably been more like, eh, I'm not sure that's going to be as good as I thought it was on draft day. You know, there's a little bit of that. So that, of course, is going to pop to the owner when he's evaluating this whole thing. Um, the other aspect of this, too, and I think what Miami really needs to, to do here more than anything, too, especially, you know, again, even if they are, if they're going to keep the GM and the coach, which, which I hope they do, I do. I mean, again, they're in a tough division. You know, it, it sounds like they were forced to draft the quarterback they drafted, you know, because of the owner. So that I don't should make football decisions. Well, I don't yeah, make football yeah decisions. well, and we know that. Know. <laughs> but the other thing they got to be good with here is they got to make sure Tua looks good. They do. That that's one thing they got to go all in on here down the stretch. You know, one for wait if we are here and he is our quarterback, we got to start building confidence and making him feel good and making our team feel good that hey, Tua is our quarterback and we can win games or even if they're hell-bent and they already know he's not the guy, we don't want him to be the quarterback of the future, there's no how, no way, they got to make it look like to somebody else out there that he could be that guy. So when a trade does go down, that there's a want of him too. Because I know there's there was points on in this, this trade conversation where you know Tua was uh, the, the oddball here. You know, from everything I've heard from people in the know, the Texans didn't really want Tua. There had to be a third team involved. I know there was a third team involved at one point, but I don't know who it was. But from that aspect, too, they got to make sure Tua looks good and kind of massage this a little bit, too, to where, um, you know, he's still wanted and not viewed as a career backup by the time the season's over. And again, we get to the end of the season, and we're going to draft later in the show the quarterbacks who had better show they can get it done or they're going to be out yeah. because then the team says, hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? What about Tua? Maybe Tua has an opportunity somewhere else in 2022 after a team decides that they're done with the guy that they currently have. Odell Beckham Jr. seems to be done with the Cleveland Browns. And Whoa. I have sensed this coming. Yeah. Now, yeah. to his credit, Odell Beckham Jr. has not acted out hasn't spoken out, hasn't done anything to indicate that he's not happy with his current football existence in Cleveland. However, it does not take a genius no, who qualifies me for the task no. to realize things aren't right. And yesterday it all came together. And, and when, when Odo Beckham Sr. posted an 11-minute video of all the times that Odo Beckham Jr. was open and Baker Mayfield didn't throw it to him or didn't throw it to him accurately... When that was followed by Cleveland icon LeBron James, who is a friend of Odell Beckham Jr., tweeting free OBJ, that's when you know. Yes. That's when you know that's he's right. trying to get out. That's right. And, uh, you know, it. look, no one was going to take on the salary. The Browns were going to have to pay some of it. They weren't going to give the Browns much by way of compensation. I mean, look, the Broncos are paying nine out of 9.7 million remaining yeah. for Vaughn Miller right. to get what they got from the Rams. I think the question now is, will the Browns just release him and hope that someone claims that salary on waivers? I doubt that anyone will, but it's it all of a sudden out of the blue, it feels completely untenable for the Browns and OBJ to continue. Well, yeah, I mean, it, Hey, listen, it's odd. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Anybody wants to watch more plays that OBJ Sr. didn't put, you know, on his uh, on his social media, go check out my podcast from two, three weeks ago. I mean, I did the same thing. I pull, I mean, you know, we, we showed, 
we showed maybe a six, seven, eight plays over a two-week span where, I mean, it's it's wide open. And like to your point, Mike, we don't have to hear him talk in the media. You know, on some of those clips right there, you can just see his reaction. Like he's looking around, like, wait, uh, nobody's around me, and I'm the first read. Like, what 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 happened? And then there's a shake of the head as he's walking back to the huddle or at the sideline. You know, yeah, he's handled it well. My thing is this. Well, this should have been done a week ago. Well, why wasn't this done a week ago? You should have caused a firestorm with your dad's tweets and LeBron a week ago. Get the ball rolling. If you want out of there so badly and don't want to be there, okay. Sometimes you got to look like the jerk, right? And it's not working out there. And I, I, you know, again, I think this is one where if OBJ was a jerk, you know, five, six days ago, and it started to get out that he wanted, I don't, I don't know if people like you or me would necessarily look at it and go, wow, he's really a misfit. I, I can't believe he's doing this to the Cleveland Browns. It's not working. It's not. There's, there's something missing there. I don't know what it exactly it is. I don't know if it's personal between Baker Mayfield and him, or Baker just missed him a few times. It doesn't feel comfortable throwing the football to him, but it, it's almost weekly where I can pull up plays and go, I don't understand it. I know this play. I know this read. He's he's open. Is he the OBJ of the old days? I don't look at that play. Look at that. Look at that. That's game over. Go back again. Rewind that one more time if we can. Everybody who's watching this right now, look on your left side. Left side of the screen. OBJ is gone. Yeah, go slow mo. Look at he's gone for a touchdown. The Browns are gonna win the game. <laughs> he's gonna win the it's game. It's like he's invisible. He's the first read. He's the first read. That's 73Z sale. Okay? I mean, you got other plays here. Like, what? Where? What? How did that not? So, so that's what you see on film a lot. Look. Look at Callahan's going, damn, you were open again. Yeah, you were open. I mean, it is it is weekly, and it's just weird. I mean, it really is that I don't know what to say. Hey. I understand his frustrations. I remember when they traded for Odell Beckham Jr. And Chris, you may remember this, and I'm so rarely right that it, no, I don't you forget said it. when I am. Yeah. I said, that town's not big enough for those two personalities, Baker Mayfield and OBJ. And then when they started the offseason program that year, and this was 2019 when they first got a taste of not being complete and total ass like they had been all those years before. Yeah. Again, sorry to our friend. They got bleeped anyway. <laughs> but, but they all showed up. It was Jarvis Landry. It was Odell Beckham Jr. It was Baker Mayfield for the first day of the offseason program. And then OBJ's gone. Gone. Just gone. You know, and, and a lot of guys do their own thing, but I think Baker Mayfield probably would have preferred that he be there. And at some point later in the year, there was some sort of a of an implicit comment about not having the opportunity to work together. In other words, he should have been here. And then they never quite clicked in 2019. There was so much pressure put on Baker Mayfield to force the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. That that there was so much talk about, you know, they're losing. And he's not getting the ball. So if he was getting the ball, they'd be winning. And it just put more stress and strain on Baker Mayfield, who is not the kind of guy who is going to react well to that kind of external pressure. And then last year, before Beckham got injured week seven against the Bengals, there was that game against the Cowboys where Kevin Stefanski worked deliberately and consciously to get the ball in Beckham's right. hands. Because it doesn't just have to be he's open and you throw it to him. It can be jet sweep, bubble screen, put him in the backfield. He had a big day rushing, yep. big day receiving, right. three total touchdowns. And you're like, wow, look at what this guy can be if you feature him. And you can feature a guy without forcing the ball to him down the field. But they never got to, they, He had one catch for six yards 
in a full game against the Steelers on Sunday and the clips from the Chargers game that they could have won. They could be 6-2 and two if they used Odell Beckham Jr. So I see this as two outcomes with nothing in between, Chris. One, they got to have their moment today at the facility. You get in a room, Stefanski, Beckham, Mayfield, and whoever else needs to be there. And we're either going to renew our vows or we're getting a divorce. And we're figuring it out today. And by renewing the vows, I'm talking about vows they never even took before. We're going all in and getting the most out of this talent or we're going to get rid of him. There's no middle ground because the middle ground isn't working. They've been popping all over the middle ground and that doesn't work. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, I don't know. Something's got to be done. I'm there with you. I can't imagine them just releasing him. I don't. You know, not at this stage. Because what you know, you know why I don't imagine them releasing him because they got to be watching film and going, wait, he's still kind of good, he's still really fast. Yeah, he's dropped some passes. I know that, you know. But again, I would say to anybody, I mean, when you're not getting the ball a lot, I don't care who you are. Steph Curry hasn't had a shot in three quarters. Now we want him to make the big shot in the fourth quarter. He's not going to make it. Like you, you got to get in a rhythm as a receiver, just like you do at any other position. In football, So I know he hasn't been perfect, but physically he looks pretty damn good. And I don't understand the, 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 mis, you know, the, the non-connection aspect of it between him and Baker Mayfield. But I have a hard time thinking they're going to release him because I, the, the teams they're competing with are going to be right. I think they're going to be all over him right off the bat. I mean, I, I would be crazy. I mean, it'd be crazy. Like, if he gets released, Kansas he's going to Kansas City or Buffalo. I would bet you would be right on the top of his radar. What? I could go wait, play with Wait, wait, wait. Right. He goes he's got to go through waivers. He got to go through so waivers. Again, I get it. Somebody have to take on his salary, yes, but there's right. no guarantee he gets right. to go where he wants to go. You're right. Way to correct me there cuz I I you're right. That's a big aspect of it, but I'm kind of like you. I don't know if anybody's going to take on that that risk right now and pay him that money. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But again, I, I don't know why, but I just feel like Cleveland's going to bite the bullet on this one uh, for for a number of reasons. They don't want to get eggs splattered in their face and also don't want to give some of the teams they're in a, in a dogfight with here a little more firepower and have it shoved back in their face where all of a sudden we are in the wild card game or we're at home during the wild card game and there's OBJ going off for 180 yards and three touchdowns. That's the last thing they want to hear too. That's why the best thing would have been to work out a trade to a team in the NFC, whether yeah. the Packers. We've been, it's not like it's a secret. We've been saying for weeks, they're not using Beckham. They need to trade him. And a team like the Packers should be trying to get him. Kimberly Martin of ESPN reported yesterday that the Saints and the Browns had discussions uh, about Beckham but yeah. couldn't agree on a workable deal. Because the problem is the Saints aren't going to give significant value. Or really anything. I mean, I, what do you even give for Odell Beckham at this point? It would have to be a conditional pick based upon what he actually does Probably. for your team this year. Right, right. And, and the Browns are going to have to pay a, a big chunk of that money just like the Broncos did with Vaughn Miller. But at least that way you guide him out of your building and into an NFC contender, not an AFC contender. That's a reason to do it. And I, I just I, – let, let me something I thought of a, a couple of minutes ago. When you watch the tape of Beckham being open, do you yeah. get a sense of how they're defending him? Because at some point, if they're not going to throw it to him, he's no longer the magnet 
for extra attention. Yeah. It's like, oh, forget about that guy. They're never going to throw it to no, him. No, no. It's, it's not like it was early on in, 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 in Cleveland or the New York Giants. You're right. That's kind of defensive. Kind of, it's not the same attention. When he first got to Cleveland or his last few years at the Giants, the teams were playing coverages on him that I would go, nobody's done this since Randy Moss or Terrell Owens were in football. I mean, again, we saw in the wild card game against the Packers that one year, the boat game, they were triple covering them. They had two guys at the line of scrimmage and a safety over the top. Like they were, it was like, you can't cover the guy. Now, yes, it, because there's no featured part for him in the offense and it doesn't seem like Baker wants to go there, no, I don't see double coverage or you know a corner matching up with him all game long to go wait I I'll got you on a big down here no I I don't see that because there, there's no point there's other things to defend in that offense it is a pretty good offense you know it goes through the run game first and you know their drop back pass game is a little boring in my opinion it's not a special drop back pass game it's a little like your Minnesota Vikings like if the run game doesn't work the offense is kind of eh sometimes in Cleveland yeah. and because of that. It's like, uh, yeah, why, why go all in on stopping him when they're not going to really try to go out of their way to feed him or, or put them on their radar? I say this somewhat reluctantly. Yeah. But, you know, we're here to speak the truth. Yeah. The truth as we see it. Sometimes we're accurate, and most of the time we're not. And, 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 and I'm, I'm treading lightly mm. because I don't want Baker Mayfield to morph into my new Aaron Rodgers because I like what Baker Mayfield brings to the table but I think he brings too much to the table. And I think fundamentally they may have a Baker Mayfield problem, not an OBJ problem. I really think that may be it. And I, and I look, if, if I get called out by Baker, Baker Mayfield or if I never can interview him again, I can't remember whether I ever even have. I don't care. I got to speak the truth. I think their problem may be a quarterback problem, not a receiver problem. And that's their bigger problem right now. And maybe they're one of the teams, frankly, that after the season starts looking around at – Oh, we could get Russell Wilson. Oh, we could get Deshaun Watson. Oh, we could get this guy, this guy, this guy. Maybe some of these guys are better than the guy we have because the ceiling on the guy we have isn't as high as he thinks it is. Yeah. That yeah. that's so it's kind of like it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers light is Baker Mayfield cuz he's not nearly as talented as Aaron Rodgers then again who is. But but I I feel like I know what you're trying prick, to say. That prickliness that prickliness and that attitude, and he's very headstrong, and he has his moments, but he doesn't have them nearly enough. Yeah, they're too to few and far between. The attitude, right, right, yeah. right. And you know, we got a glimpse of the attitude a little, you know, uh, two weeks ago. You know, I think, well, I'm going to play, and if I decide I'm going to play, then you're going to have to deal with it, and I'm going to play. Like, you know, I mean, that that was pretty strong. Yeah. You know? I'm the one who decides if I'm healthy yeah, enough to play. Right, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, Doctor Baker. <laughs> okay. Right. So, uh, yeah. listen, I, I don't know there. I don't know. I do know they got issues. They got They're issues. Four four. There's something They're four and there. Four. They're they four got four issues. They got 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 talked about the subject a little with this contract and yeah that's where again I wouldn't I wouldn't be sitting there looking oh, I'm going to pay Baker Mayfield 40 million dollars or 35 million dollars I wouldn't pay more than 30 I, I would not pay more than 30 That's exactly right. You want to find the sweet spot to go wait we've we've taken care of a guy who we like it's is enough money to give him respect in the locker room to make sure hey we got a guy he's pretty damn good but it's not going to ruin our team 
and it's not going to be the kind of number that makes a statement like, hey, we're not a good team without you. You know, that, that, that to me is where they got to find the fine line if they decide they want to go on, you know, in the future with Baker. And, and here's what it all comes down to. The, the, the rant that I have been trotting out from time to time this week as it focuses on the Vikings, what is the true motivation of ownership? Is the true motivation to be good enough that your stadium's always full, that your ratings are high, that people are buying the jerseys and the hats and they're engaged. Every year they think this could be our year. But are you really trying to get over the top? Are you really all in? And I think that if you're not constantly thinking, if you don't have one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, if you're not constantly thinking of ways to get to the point where you have one of the top four to five quarterbacks in the league, I don't think you're really trying to win the Super Bowl. Now, there's only five teams that can have a top five quarterback, duh, but that doesn't stop the other teams from coveting one, trying to find one, trying to get one. And if the Browns are content to keep Baker Mayfield at $30 million a year, I, I feel like they're really not trying to become a perennial Super Bowl contender because I don't think he's good enough to make them a perennial Super Bowl contender. Do you agree or disagree? I agree with you. Like, I, I don't see, like, Joe, like him being, like, as good as Joe Burrow or, you know, Justin Herbert. Or, again, back to the conversation we just had with two of those guys that you go, wait, things aren't going good, but he makes up for it. And we kind of still look good even though we're not playing well. Like, like, like Josh Allen in Buffalo right now. Offense is not really that great. There ain't that many people open. I don't watch film and go, oh, man. But, like, he's still going to make, like, six or seven plays during the day where you go, well, there's only four or five guys that can do that. And they still scored 30 points, and they weren't even good on offense. That's what the great ones can do in the sport right now. And, yeah, I don't look at him as that guy. I, I, I will say, I think, you know, yeah, to your top five quarterback point, right now – we're in a part where we're rich enough in the sport with quarterbacks where I think there's legitimately, you know, just off the top of my head, eight, nine, ten guys where you can kind of say, mm, they're top five-ish. I think if, like, you and me got together and we got two great head coaches in a room together, that, yeah, we might agree on the top one, two, and three, but four and five might be a little different for everybody. You know, my seven might be your four. You know, my five might be some other guy's, you know, eight, uh, and vice versa. So, uh, but I, uh, to your point, Mike, I, I see it the way you do. I see a good quarterback who's, you know, can help a team and you can win a Super Bowl with. But again, not a guy that I think is going to carry the team or take them over the hump if uh, it's a bad playoff game by everybody else and he'll make the plays. I, I don't see that. Well, the 2020 Coach of the Year, Kevin Stefanski, is going to earn his plaque after the fact based on how he handles this one, or more accurately, he has an opportunity to earn that plaque. How do we resolve this? What do we do with OBJ? How do we get everyone on the same page and take advantage of the fact that his dad is right? He's open. How do we get the football in his hands? Let's take a break. When we return, some tragic news out of Las Vegas and some, uh, some developments overnight that uh, will change forever the life and the career of Raiders receiver Henry Ruggs. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Las Vegas Police Department issued a statement yesterday afternoon regarding an automobile accident involving Raiders receiver Henry Ruggs, a tragic situation. Ruggs was driving a Corvette that rear-ended a Toyota RAV4, set it ablaze, and authorities found a deceased victim inside the Toyota. Henry Ruggs, according to Las Vegas police, will be charged with DUI resulting in death. That's a Class B felony with a prison term of 2 to 20 years. Quickly, they reached the decision, and I don't know what evidence it was based on, but it was enough to get them to say that quickly. Chris, and uh, a very, very serious situation. Our condolences and our thoughts, obviously, to the victim. But for Henry Ruggs, and, and look, we, we, we've talked about this time and again, there's no excuse in today's society to not find a ride when you're impaired, if you're impaired, if there's any chance you're impaired. We're all carrying around a device. You just press a couple buttons and a car shows up and takes you home. And you can use that same device to go back and get your car the next day. No excuse for driving while impaired. There's an obligation for the people around the individual who's impaired. We don't know any of those facts yet, but just a horrible situation. And uh, and on top of everything else, overnight, the Raiders released Henry Ruggs, yeah. who was the first receiver taken in the 2020 draft. And that tells me... Yeah, something's bad. I don't know though. what it tells me. I don't know what it tells... I, it, it, I was stunned by it. You know, and I, I, just, I, I think there's more to the story that will help us understand because I can't imagine it was a knee-jerk reaction because this kid needs some support right now. He's 22 years old, and he committed something that was not intentional, but it was wrong, and he will live with those consequences for the rest of his life. And with all this discussion that we're having, important relevant and overdue discussion about mental health. I just worry about the kid having that domino fall in the immediate wake of the accident. That's that's what I'm concerned about. Because it's because as wrong as what he did is, I I I I don't with the stress he's dealing with yeah two wrongs already, don't make a right is what you're trying to well but say. it doesn't but yeah. it, it it just you don't know what's going to put him over the edge at this point. Yeah. Because he's got to be going through hell right now. 
Because, again, he's 22 years old, and he's screwed up, and he would surely admit it, assuming the allegations are true. And I don't know that, that firing him abruptly on the day that it happened is the way to help him find his reckoning, find his peace, make make good if he ever can for what he did. I'm just that's what bothered me about it. I'm having a hard time articulating it because I think it's it's naturally emotional for everyone involved. But I kind of wish they'd waited a little while to let this kid and and I know he's the bad guy in all this if the allegations are true. Right. But he's still a human being who deserves compassion and support and understanding because he didn't do it on purpose. And I'm not defending him. I'm just saying I wish they would have just waited a little bit because he's only 22 and he can only deal with so much. And he's dealing with more than he's ever had to deal with in his entire life. And to have this thrown on top of it is not ideal, in no, my opinion. No, no. I mean, I hear you. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bad situation altogether. I mean, man, the Raiders taking another haymaker, you know, as far as their organization's concerned. Um, I, like, you know... But my my thought was a little similar to yours, Mike. I I thought like, ooh, when I saw he was released right away, I just went, you know. And again, we don't know. I'm not. I'm just spitballing football here, and just things that go through your mind and experience. Was there a history a little bit that they know about? I don't know. Or was the blood alcohol content level so egregious that it just was like, whoa, like that's un. You can't get in a car like that. Like that's insane. I don't know. It does seem like there's something else there. That's all I'm trying to spitball and say. But, uh, yeah, I would think he's fragile. Uh, my condolences to the victim and their family as well. Um, but that doesn't mean you necessarily just don't care about somebody else either. I think that's what you're kind of trying to say here. And it is a 22-year-old kid. And, yeah, he's wrong, big-time wrong. He's going to pay the consequences too. I mean, he's going to pay the consequences. But that doesn't mean – you know, you, you don't try to help a guy with some of the mental struggles he's going to have with this whole issue, too, I think is what you're trying to say there. And, and, and surely they didn't do it to avoid paying him the balance of his salary for this year because it's not all that much. They've already given him the bulk of the, his money in his signing bonus, but he's eligible for paid leave if a felony charge is officially filed against him. And sometimes what will happen is a guy gets accused of a crime and the team just just moves on because they don't want to pay him to not play. But I, I, I just, I, I, it feels to me like, as you said, the, the instinct here is given the abrupt nature of the move, that this isn't the first time there's been something that this isn't a zero tolerance situation, that, that there's some backstory to this that we don't know that caused the Raiders to decide it was appropriate in the immediate aftermath of this accident to sever ties with Henry Ruggs. Again, we don't know that. It could just be it could just be that they, they felt they had to do this after all the heat they took for the John Gruden emails. I don't know. But um I it there's just I, I just I hope the kid's okay. And um I don't I, I hate what happened. I hate what he did. I hate when anybody gets behind the wheel of a car and doesn't take advantage of the very quick and easily accessible alternatives to get you home. And I, I would like to think as a people we have evolved past the days when, you know, folks, ah, you know, I'm fine. I can make it home. No, you're not fine. And you shouldn't even try. And uh, I just feel like there's more to the story that we don't know. I just I, I the, the, look, the kid's life is permanently changed. And yes, the life has permanently changed. The person who died in the accident and their family has changed. I mean, a lot of lives were affected yesterday. Um, but uh uh, I, I just, I, you know, 
he's he's assuming the allegations are true. Uh, he may have never played football again anyway. Um, but I, I just that we, we hear about the support system that is in place, and I feel like he needs that support now. Maybe the Raiders will still give it to him. Maybe they felt compelled to sever ties officially, but but the kid's going to need some help. He's going to be hurt. He's going to be ex- experiencing some stuff that is going to be very difficult for a 22 year old. And and I just hope he gets the help he needs as he as he works through this. Because again, he didn't do it on purpose. He didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't do it intentionally. And I, surely he would admit immediately that he was wrong, assuming these allegations are true, Chris. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, that's this is it's life changing for him. You know, and again, sometimes, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, and it's a, it's a horrible thing, like you said, but I do think the outside world sometimes forgets that these are, you know, a lot of the times when we're critical as 40-year-old men or 50-year-old men, I go to, like, family barbecues, and they're so critical, and I just want to go, man, just relax a little. They're, they're 23. Do you remember how stupid you were when you were 23? You know, and again, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but... Yeah, it's a young kid who made a horrible mistake. Horrible mistake. Um, well, but but I but I I uh, I feel for the victim's family and and him. Yeah, this is not going to be easy. You know, I can. Hey, you know, uh, not to it's apples to apples. But you remember um, the receiver played at the University of Tennessee, Stallworth, right? He had um, is it Dante Dante Stallworth, yes. right? He had the Jay Walker who he hit with the car right late early in the morning one year. I mean. Dante Stallworth was as nice a guy as you could be around. And that affected him like greatly. Like it really affected him. And I can speak to that a little bit just because I was in New England and he was there a little. And I know he was shaken by that. So uh, this is not an easy thing to overcome. And we're not trying to be insensitive to the victims and the victim's family in any shape, way, or form here. And and this isn't apples to apples either, but you know, I think of the John Gruden situation. I think it's possible to say the person did something wrong and there will be consequences that are deserved. But at the same time, there are other aspects that need to be considered. And we need to always remember there's a human being at the middle of this, even if it's somebody who did something they shouldn't have done. That doesn't mean they get permanently outcast from society. Henry Ruggs will have a debt to repay society through whatever prison time he must serve, but he still deserves dignity, respect, and compassion. And he's 22. And, you know, this is something that, and they they call it wisdom. I just call it getting old. The the longer you live and the more experiences you have, the more you understand the world. And when you get to the point where, you know, some of these these kids are younger than your kids, you view things a different way. And, uh, you know, it's, I can't imagine what his parents are going through. Yeah, sure. After this. Sure. You know, and, and the guilt that they feel and the and the turmoil that they're feeling. And I know it's worse for the person who died, but there's multiple victims in this tragedy. And we, we wish the best to everyone involved. And, and we hope that that uh, the family of the victim works through this, that Henry Ruggs works through it and uh, we move forward. We'll take a break. We'll have more PFT Live right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.